Recruiting challenges for the Army and Air Force mean they have trouble meeting end strength goals. But what about the U.S. Coast Guard? It's also been having trouble meeting yearly recruitment goals. For how it's responding, we check in now with the commander of the Coast Guard Recruiting Command, Captain Richter Tipton. Captain Tipton, good to have you back. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And when we last spoke, we discussed the changing tattoo policy for the Coast Guard, partly as a way to just widen the aperture of people that could come into the Coast Guard. Give us the current situation, 21-22, what you're looking at for 23 in terms of required numbers and what you're able to get into the Coast Guard. So the Coast Guard is looking for 4,200 new members every year. And that is up from previous years, but mostly because we've been recruiting smaller numbers than anticipated for the last four years. So our new number is 4,200, and this last year we came in just about 2,800 for numbers. So we came in a little short, and what we're doing is uh, we're changing the way that we do business a little bit, increasing the aperture again. We've reset the age from 36 up to about 42, and we've also done some other things on the admission side that helps us. But we're also looking at changing the way that we do our forward recruiting. So we've enlisted the help from our workforce, 47,000 people in the Coast Guard, and we've asked them to help us go out and look for glassy-eyed people out there in the world who are hustling that would make great Coast Guard officers or great Coast Guard enlisted folks and send them our way. So we're doing that now. So someone can enroll in the Coast Guard up to the age of 42 now. So that's a lot older than you can the other armed services, correct? I can't speak for the other services, but we're raising ours not to exceed your 42nd birthday on your date of enlistment. And when you enlist at the age of 42, what happens? Do you have the same regime of basic training, et cetera, as someone joining at 19? Absolutely. It is exactly the same. No standards were changed as far as physical fitness or length of course or any of that. So anybody who is eligible to enlist goes through our recruiting office, then they go through the MEPS process, which is our medical process. They get their background check as per usual, eight weeks in Cape May, select an A school, which is uh, like an MOS for the other services. It's our trade school. Go get a trade and then join the fleet. Sure. And have you had many people, 37, 8, 9, 40, 41, 42, join? Do you know yet? No, not yet. The policy is relatively new, so we haven't seen anybody come through at that age. The age is not necessarily the issue for us. Really, what we're concerned with is can they make it through the rigors of boot camp? So it'll be interesting to see if older folks can make it through those rigors. Yeah, because, well, they say 42 is the new 32, 52 is the new 42. You keep hearing this from time to time. I mean, I ran my first marathon at 45, so maybe I could have done it. But it's also a matter of mindset because you're getting people that have been working for possibly 20 years somewhere else versus people that have never really worked professionally. They might be just out of college or even just out of high school. That's absolutely true. Let's say you are a trade-skilled person out in the field. So let's say, for example, you spent 20 years cooking. We actually have what we're calling a lateral entry program, which is if your skill set matches the skill set that we would teach you at our A school, then we can bring you in as a mid-grade petty officer. And so what we would do in that case is we would put together what we call a rate determination package. It's basically a resume. Take it to our rating force master chief, who is the person who runs each rate, see what level would match the school system that we have. And then if you're a great fit, then we'll walk you right into the E4, E5, E6 level. Right. I mean, that's really a great appeal. And how do you get the word out to people beyond the normal recruiting mechanisms so that people that have got those trade skills and are in good health and want a big switch know about it? Oh, sure. Well, Tom, this is one of the ways is interviewing with you. But we're also doing a massive push in our social media campaigns. We have targeted advertisements that we're developing for older folks who may have trade skills. This isn't our first time recruiting this population. We also have a reserve program 
which relies heavily on trained craftsmen. And so we already do a little bit of this lateral entry on the reserve side. This is mostly modifying it for the active duty side. We're speaking with Captain Richter Tipton. He is commander of the Coast Guard Recruiting Command. And let's talk about the younger set also. You know, the armed services are finding that once you weed out the people that are, say, overweight or can't meet physical requirements for some reason, might have a drug conviction history, et cetera, et cetera, of the population that was traditionally drafted or is now recruitment age, is much smaller than the actual population of people out there at that age. So you must find that same issue. What are some strategies to get the interest level up so at least you can attract a higher percentage? As with the other services, we get together every now and again. Most recently was in September with the other commanding officers of the recruiting services. We basically have seen the exact same situation, just like you described. is a changing demographic. Kids today spend more time in computers, less time outside, so they're likely to be less physically fit, which is something that we can address up front through a pre-training system. The Army has one that we're watching very closely where they send kids to a, basically a pre-boot camp to get them kind of like a couch to 5K kind of system. Also, we do see a lot of medical conditions being prescribed early, and you can see things like ADHD medications, and we have waivers for some of those depending on the circumstances. You also see cultural shifts like you were talking about with body tattoos we were talking earlier, also some drug use and things, and we have ways to work those situations depending on the context. And what you'll hear mostly, I think, from other services is a desire to serve, propensity to serve, that sort of thing. We're looking at that as a, you just don't know you want to serve yet. So I believe that if I can get in front of a group of people and we can tell them about the Coast Guard, that they'll want to join our service. So for example, the way that we approach this is, we'd like to follow the Department of Defense. We have the same pay benefits, education benefits, even the same skills training that the Department of Defense has. But we also have primarily domestic deployments. We have an environmental mission, a life-saving mission. We do search and rescue as our primary mission. So domestic deployments are pretty important to a lot of folks, and we think if we can get in front of people and tell them that, we can win. And also, I like to add on a little flair on my own side, which is I never slept in a tent or eaten a meal out of my helmet or deployed overseas with the Department of Defense unless I wanted to, and I've wanted to three times. In the Indo-Pacific region, working out of Japan, in Southcom, working out of Haiti, and in UCOM as the Arctic rep working out of Germany. So we offer those benefits as well, and I wouldn't trade any of my time with my Department of Defense cousins for a second. Sure. I guess somehow that sea rations idea out of the helmet persists 75 years after it actually existed. The food's actually pretty good, isn't it? Listen, I have uh, I have enjoyed many a, uh, a ration out of a warm bucket in Haiti. So I can tell you, I do like my MREs. And how is the Coast Guard responding with the smaller numbers coming in? Is there a concomitant program to retain people that might otherwise muster out and stick around for a couple of years? We are definitely working to retain folks and even uh, bring them back. Once your active duty enlistment is up, you can switch into the reserves or the IRR, uh, the, the inactive reserve component. And we can bring folks back onto active duty from those components. We're actively looking for that all the time. And this lateral entry program that I talked about before about bringing folks in, they don't have to be just civilians off the street. They can be prior military from other services as well. We can lateral entry directly into the Coast Guard. So we've got programs to keep people who have skills or return people who had skills into the Coast Guard. We're focused fairly heavily on that. Unfortunately, on the recruiting side of things, so that's a whole different branch, but they're, they're doing a fantastic job in the retention side. Yeah, I mean, they must talk to you about what's going on just so you have a sense of what you can tell people that might be coming in, what they could expect down the line. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And they tell me why people might be leaving so that I can adjust my targeting to make sure that we target folks who would be interested in staying later on. Because our goal is actually a 20-year career in the Coast Guard is what we want folks to want. But we offer two-year enlistments, three-year enlistments, four-year enlistments. So we we have a whole slew of things that we offer, but we're really looking for people who are going to be here, join our family for the long term. 
And do you find that people that may not have been or thought of themselves as suitable or they don't pass the initial physical requirements and you have to kind of bring them, as you said, couch to – what was the term? Couch to – Oh, Couch to 5K. It's a program for folks who want to run a 5K but may have not ever worked out before. I see. At that age, especially the younger ages, that can really happen pretty quickly, right? Yes. If you were interested in the Coast Guard but maybe you weren't as physically fit as you would like to be or maybe you're not able to do the forming standards at Cape May, we would still work with you, bring you in, get you medically qualified and make sure everything's fine. And then we would put you in what we call a caretaking program, which is basically it's a weekly physical fitness check. And it's up to you, of course, to get yourself into shape. But most offices run every Friday. They run the accession standards. So it's a mile and a half at a certain time and then sit-ups and push-ups. And once the office and you are confident that you'll be able to pass the entry for physical fitness requirements, then we would put you in, get your reservation, and bring it right into the Coast Guard. Captain Richter Tipton is commander of the U.S. Coast Guard Recruitment Command. Thanks so much for joining me, and good luck getting those warm bodies in. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that, and uh, it's been great talking to you, and please call back anytime. All right. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Sign up for the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. SMS text, 1118 AM. Hey girl, emergency. You wouldn't believe what just happened. Are you at your desk? I ripped my skirt and like half my tush is hanging out. Third floor bathroom, please help. LOL. When you send messages on SMS, someone else could be reading them. With end-to-end -end encryption, WhatsApp ensures that your personal messages are your personal messages. WhatsApp. Always message privately.